You're listening to The Green Thumbs Up, brought to you by Miniquip Hire, WA's leading machinery hire company, supporting the Landscape Industries Association, WA. G'day landscapers, welcome to another episode of the Green Thumbs Up, podcast brought to you by Miniquip Hire, West Australia's premier earth moving company. Joined with me today is Ben Sims. G'day Benno. Hey Matt, how are you? Good to have you here for uh, another evening of recording of the Thumbs Up. Yeah, it feels like uh, we weren't here that long ago. Well we're here on Friday night, last Friday for the launch of the podcast. Good night, wasn't it? Well, it was great to see so many people here and getting behind what we're trying to do with Liawa. Absolutely. And uh, actually, one of those who was here is, is actually one of our guests yes, tonight. Lisa, Lisa Hall. Hall. G'day, Lisa. Hi, how are you going? And also Thanks joining her, we've got Neil Marriott from South Metropolitan Tafe. G'day, G'day, Neil. G'day, Matt. G'day, Ben. Thanks for having me. Well, guys, are you ready for another, well, I was going to say schooling year, but another Tafe year ahead of you? Yeah, no, eager, very eager. We've got our students coming back to our department ready to learn from next week, so we're busy preparing. And Neil, we've got plenty of, plenty of students, do you think, are getting behind horticulture at the moment? I think we've, we've got reasonable enrolments this year, but I think when the economy's nice and strong, as it is at the moment, yeah. our numbers go down, and when the economy's poor, we have a lot of students because they're all looking for employment or opportunities. Well, before we really get into TAFE courses, let's find out a little bit more about yourselves. Lisa, if I can start with you. Uh, you've been in the industry for a number of years, worked for a number of landscape companies, and now obviously lecturing. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I guess sort of my career in horticulture started off in um, my teen years. My very first job while I was still in high school was at a nursery. Begged and begged the family-owned business, uh, rural rural business to see if I could uh, have a horticultural apprenticeship but unfortunately they weren't able to support me in that so I went off worked in a few different areas for a while mining defense charity those sorts of things and studied a few different things and decided that I really wanted to go back to my first loves being sort of horticulture and and design so uh, I enrolled in TAFE actually the same campus that I work at now back when it was Challenger TAFE cool and started studying Cert 3 of horticulture and then went on to study landscape design and ended up graduating with a diploma in landscape design. So, so and now you're teaching our future, our future workforce, yeah, which is great. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. I kept in touch with a lot of the lecturers from back in the day. Believe it or not, Neil was one of them. Of he taught me irrigation. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, so I kept getting invited back to do guest speaking to the next generation. Uh, and when one of my lecturers, Alison, retired, she asked, asked if I'd come on board and put my name forward as a casual lecturer. And then the rest is history. Yeah, and you've certainly made a mark. And I know you're very passionate about what you do, enthusiastic, all those words. So we are, you know, we're very lucky to have you behind the scenes. Uh, Neil, Neil, well, you are really part of the fixtures and fittings. You've been down at TAFE for a number of years. and. When we talk about irrigation and who's the best person to be taught, your name comes up always, 10 times out of 10. Neil, a warm welcome. And look, tell us about, about yourself. Oh, a little bit about me. Th- first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate coming along. And I, I guess I finished school in 1984. That gives you a bit of an idea of how old I am. I was one. 
You were one. I don't, I don't think. And then I don't think. I wasn't I don't born, think yet. Lisa was born yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think. The, I think the wheelchair is parked outside. So, uh, very sprightly, Neil Marriott. Very then, sprightly. Straight out of school, I, I actually worked for a garden maintenance company, doing all kinds of pruning and mowing and irrigation installs. Probably not very well. If we're honest about it. Yeah. I think my first in- install was 1985. With a very ordinary operator, but you, you learn from these things, you take things away. And then I sort of stumbled off and worked in hospitality for a number of years. And then in the mid 90s, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, and I packed up a land cruiser and went driving off around Australia for a number of years. And I ended up working in places like the Ord River. I worked in the Whit Sunday Islands. I worked in the centre of Australia running a roadhouse and funnily enough we had a, a lucerne farm across the road from us running a centre oh. pivot with 80 acres of lucerne. So I did a bit of learning on how centre pivots work and all kinds of irrigation related tips and tricks out there. I'm eventually back to Perth and running my own business and while I was doing that I thought I'll go and study. So off I went to study and completed Cert 3, Cert 4, Diploma of Horticulture and after a couple of years of that, they asked me to come and do a bit of teaching, so I thought, I'll give that a go. Then sort of moving into 2002 with a young family, teaching became a bit more of an option because I didn't have to run around quoting at night, chasing things up on the weekend, looking after debtors, etc. So I picked up a full-time gig at TAFE. I've been there since, so 20 years in one job. Wow, fantastic yeah, stuff. Awesome. Well, look, thanks for the intro. Probably both of you can answer every one of these questions, so I'll let you just fight between the two. First of all, I want to ask you is, what is TAFE? What does, what does TAFE provide for those leaving school? What does it really provide as an education establishment? I mean, what's its role? You weren't expecting that question, were you? <laughs> Absolutely not. I think we provide something for kids, for, for school leavers, who aren't necessarily seen as super academic. You know, guys and girls who've come out of school, they didn't really enjoy the school form of learning. And we, we've got practical, we do practical skills for them, along with academic learning, but probably in, a, in, in quite a different way. A lot of our academic stuff is presented in a very informal manner. We try to keep things engage, engaging for these people. And intersperse it with practical activities, always trying to keep the attention of these of these yeah. folks, you know. And can I ask again, probably not ready for this one, how many TAFEs are there across WA? Four. Four TAFEs. Oh, four TAFEs. Oh. <laughs> no, so there are four TAFEs. So about five years ago there was a, a merger of the TAFEs. In terms of TAFE campuses across Western Australia, there might be a few more than four, I think, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got South Regional TAFE, you've got South uh, Metro, Metro, North... And North Regional. North Regional. North yes. Regional. Okay, and Bunbury Central? What's that come up? No, Bunbury South, South Regional. Regional, okay. And then out of those, out of those, how much is horticulture actually taught? Is it taught right across? Can you go to Carrathra and, and go and learn about horticulture? Can you go down to, can you go down to places like, I know Albany teach it, so... Horticulture is available to all people who leave school. I believe horticulture is taught in all of our colleges across the state. 
I'm not going to say that it is available in all of those places. So most of the colleges are scoped to teach horticulture, but, of course, education is a bums-on-seats game these days. Of course. Lisa, now, if Mm. I'd like to really focus on landscaping. Tell us about, you know, you're getting good numbers down there at, uh, at South Metro. Tell us a bit about the courses you teach. What are some of the units that come out of those courses that our landscapers should really getting, be getting involved in? Mm, so we ta- teach a range of different qualifications and they have a variety of units as well within them. We don't have as many apprentices, I believe, as what we used to have. We're seeing a bit of drop-off in numbers of those, so in our Cert 2 and our Cert 3. We teach Landscape Design, Certificate 4. We teach, which is one of my passions, but we also teach Landscaping, Parks and Gardens, Landscape Construction, Horticulture, and most of those range from Cert 2 and all the way up to a Horticulture Diploma. So what... Some of those units, what are they learning? What are they actually learning about? Do they get their hands dirty and learn about soils? Are they learning about the real fundamentals of horticulture first and then getting into, you know, the design concepts? What are some of the things that they will learn? So it really depends on what they're studying. But as a general, uh, Cert 2 and 3 in horticulture have general sort of amenity horticulture focus on basic garden maintenance skills with a little bit of nursery included as well. Your Cert 2 and Cert 3 in landscaping have a solid foundation for people who are entering the industry, taking on hardscaping projects as well. Our Cert 4 horticulture is basic supervisory skills, improving technical knowledge in some of the areas across horticulture. So you're stepping it up a little bit there. And our Cert 4 Landscape Design provides good basic foundation for people to begin working as a junior landscape designer out there in industry. And finally, the top of that tier would be our Diploma of Horticulture, and that's providing skills for more of an office-based supervisory role or managerial role. Now, I I would have thought if we take you back 20 years, some of those subjects were quite young in their many ways as the landscape industry was starting to evolve here. Very much so. How are you keeping in touch with industry? Uh, So as lecturers, we have something called industry currency. So that's where we're required to go back out into industry and spend time with industry, brushing up on skills, knowledge, current practices. So that's through things like our engagement with Liawa or other industry organisations as a whole. It could be attending trade nights. It could be uh, spending a day with someone from industry to find out about new products practices as well. And then we take that back to TAFE and we deliver that to our students. So we're keeping our finger on the pulse. Yeah, so, so the students coming out are a bit more afraid with industry. Yes. Uh, I guess those students who are training or perhaps going to night school at TAFE but are on the job actually doing it probably maybe get a little bit more out of it because they can apply what they're learning out in the field. Absolutely. it's We can give them some basic skills and knowledge but they need that real world experience and that's what uh, industry can reinforce. Uh, so students could be studying part-time and then they could be out there in industry completing an apprenticeship or even just working a couple of days a week out in industry. Really important. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some reform going on, I believe, with the, the courses and the units. 
Can you provide a bit more light on what's going on there? Yeah, absolutely. I might let Neil take this one. <laughs> We've been uh, looking over at both of us for, for the last week or so. Just, just before I talk about that, just to clarify, it's five TAFE colleges. I missed Central Regional TAFE. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's obviously Kalgoorlie. We missed Kalgoorlie. <laughs> yeah. Right, so the reform of the training packages currently. So a bit of background, our training packages are after by a group called Skills Impact. Now, our training packages fall under the AQF or the Australian Quality Framework, our national training packages. The idea behind them is that they should evolve with industry as we go along and every five or six years or so, the whole training package is revisited. Now, at the moment, there's Cert 2, Cert 3, Cert 4 and the Diploma of Horticulture up for comment by industry to look at packaging rules, which units are to be selected to make these qualifications up and also probably the more important thing for people to do is look at the content of the unit. So any qualification, if we looked at Cert 3 of horticulture, it comprises of 15 units. Now, you might read the title of a unit and think, oh, that sounds really great. But when you actually look into the guts of the unit, you might say, well, that stuff's irrelevant. And how can people possibly utilise that in the workplace and how could it be assessed by a TAFE college? So it's really important that industry actually gets a hold of these units and the qualification packaging and comes up with something that's suitable for them. Now, are these, these, are national, these are nationally set? These are national... So if you put all the states in the room, they'd all perhaps have different thoughts about what the unit should be and what's taught within it. Particularly here in WA, there are, there are, you know, we're still quite a young state compared to New South Wales, different climate and all those things. Do you think that's where some of the problem, it doesn't all marry up sometimes? That, that's where a lot of your qualification packaging really needs to be thrashed out well. If you have it heavily loaded with core units, which Eastern States centric, then it's very, very difficult to get enough electives in to make things relevant for, say, Western Australia or perhaps for Queensland. So it's important that people look at how qualifications are packaged and say, what's the best outcome? What, what do we need from our staff? What would, units would we like to see be able to put into this package to make them as useful as we can? And a well-put-together training package will be able to uh, provide something for all states within their electives. It's kind of the first I've heard of this. So how can industry be made more aware of what's in the units? And if we go to like look at the outlines, will we even understand? Like, Do you have to be a lecturer to really be able to understand what's involved in all those units? You don't, you don't have to be, but it does help. Yeah, so, some of the th- so when we, with units, units of competency, when, when we were all young and went to school, we had subjects. Mm-hmm. And now they're called units of competency and they yeah. have both skills and knowledge. And technically the skills, all, every skill needs to be practically assessed and all of the knowledge needs to be assessed on a written sort of basis. Right, right. And some of these units, if we looked at the, the new Cert 3 soils unit, the knowledge requirement in that unit is enormous. And I mean absolutely enormous. 
And then the, the the practical skills that have to be demonstrated are quite large as well. Yeah, Soils is probably one of the hardest units I've studied. I did ag science and I, yep, and but and at a university level, yeah. So at at Cert three, it probably shouldn't be that difficult, but we should have very good content in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to to make sure that people get that good understanding of soil. Yeah, and I think you know on, on the sand plains in Perth, we get a little bit a little bit carried away that and don't think about all these other types of soils that do happen around the place. And so we try to prepare students so that if they leave the Great Sand Plains of Perth, they've actually got a little bit of an idea of, oh, that's actually got some gravel in it and that's yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. a bit of a, a gravelly clay loam. Yeah, there's a bit of clay there. Right? And then how can we manage that soil? Yeah, so yeah. we actually you do need to cover all of that stuff in your soil. Which Absolutely, yeah. It's got to be pretty thorough because, yeah, you know, any garden landscape, the soils yep. is the key to whether it succeeds or not. So preparing our future landscape as horticulturists, we need to look at the packages and we need to reassess them. I know you've told me by Friday, I've got to give you some feedback. Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah, um, that's fine. But that's where it's going to begin. My other concern, my other real concern is, I hate to use the phrase bums on seats, but where are we going to get future students? Because they seem to be going to the mines, they seem to be doing different courses where obviously there's perhaps a little bit more money when they go yeah. get into that industry. We're talking about going down to the expo in August. We need to connect with those high schools because how, how else are we bringing these students on board? I don't see advertising we're, on TV for come to TAFE and learn horticulture in a hurry. And we are screaming out for people. I mean, how do you feel about it? I mean, what's your thought process? I think first of all you've got to have people who are who are interested. I think yeah, that's that's key number one. Who and then with those kids who do have an interest, whether it's they're thinking about a golf course, whether they're thinking about working in the landscape industry, do we need a, a, a special open day for them? And I think Matt, you and I've spoken about this briefly, which is a like a, a green careers expo day. Yeah. Where we bring all the industries together, we work with turf, we work with irrigation, we work with landscaping, we work with nursery, parks and gardens, we pull the associations together and have one field day where, yep, we invite all those schools, careers, officers and get involved. I mean, what's your thought, Lisa? Absolutely. I think that that's a really good place to start. Another one is keeping that interest going and that learning going. So... Employers providing opportunities for our students to continue their learning while they are beginning their journey in industry. That's somewhere, a point where we get a lot of issues. Employers wanting someone full-time, but we've got students studying part-time. And if someone can offer them a little bit of work, maybe two or three days a week to keep their interest going. So it's not just what they do at TAFE, yeah. but it's what they yeah. do out in industry. I think that that would foster that interest and that love of horticulture and landscaping further. Now, the other thing I think which will help this is upping the ante, having government recognition for our industry. So mm. if we know the landscape industry is not regulated. I believe irrigation is not too. Just speaking to the Irrigation Association, they've tried with government. The nursery industry is not regulated. If we regulated our industries, you're going to have a throng of people coming into our industries because they then are going to go into much higher paid positions because you've got to have people who know what they're really doing. Not saying we don't, but do you know what I mean? I think yep. we need that recognition. What's the value? Uh, that um, will put a value, value on, on the courses, surely. Oh, I, th I think it would. I think it would definitely put some value 
onto the courses. I mean, do they walk? They come out with a trade? Is it a trade? No, no, that's what I thought. They, they come out with a trade if they take a trade pathway, so such as an apprenticeship. So, for example, they might do an apprenticeship in landscape construction or an apprenticeship in parks and gardens. The certificate of horticulture is not a trade pathway, so it's probably it, it's attractive to kids from school. It's also attractive to career changes. And if you, cha- if you do turn it into a trade pathway where they might have to be indentured in some way or another, you might lose a lot of your potential for career change. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you talked about you know, landscape construction being a regulated trade, that would be – I couldn't see that affecting the numbers. But if you talked about horticulture becoming a regulated trade, it may very well affect numbers. Tell us a little about irrigation because that is your passion. You know, climate's changing. We're concerned about reduction in bore license. Uh, sorry, watering of three days a week. Where are we going wrong with water, Neil? Because all I keep hearing is we're being we're using too much water. Where are we going wrong with water? I think ignorance. I think there's a there's a, there's a large degree of ignorance out there. There's there's a lot of people who who do a lot of great work in the irrigation sphere. You know, if you look at the the guys who are in the Water Wise Garden Irrigator Program, they've all taken it upon themselves to get educated. One of the things I always push in my classes is best practice. What, what's, what's our best practice? How much water are we putting on? I don't care about how many minutes you're running for. I care about how much water you're applying. How do we repair things? What, what is the best technology on the market to use? Are you looking at smart controllers? Are you looking at uniformity in your outlets? Just because water's coming out of something doesn't mean it's good. Absolutely. Head-to-head coverage. You obviously cover that in the design as well so they understand about irrigation design because often it can be the last thing sometimes, but when you're designing that garden, you need to know where it's all going to fit together, don't you? All these bits, it's like a bit making a pizza. You know, everything fits together. You cover yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In the new course, that's something our new certificate for of landscape design. That's something that, based on industry feedback with people such as yourselves, we've been able to include. Another thing that's really important, not just about irrigation systems, but the plant selection. So hydrozoning as well. So that relationship between the water needs for particular plants and grouping those together to marry up with your irrigation system. And if if we talk about trying to, you know, because we're living in a drying climate, we're living in in areas that are getting hotter and hotter, and the only Mm. way to cool them is with plants, but those plants have to be able to transpire. Mm. And if you have plants that aren't transpiring, then you're not going to achieve that cooling effect. Mm. So I'm not sure what the easy answer is. In fact, I don't think there is an easy answer. Mm. I'd love to have the answer. Unless we plant weeds and succulents, but we don't want that. (laughs) They they don't transpire. (laughs) Well, that's true. Look, guys, look, the time is up, sadly. Quickly, what are you up to? You love your bikes? I know Collie and out to Wellington Dam, place like that. Oh, I went to a hop farm over the holidays. Mm. That was quite a fascinating, fascinating place. Um, hop flowers for growing beer, or well, for making beer. Biggest hop farm in WA. Really interesting place. Good stuff. Uh, Lisa, what are you going to be up to for the, next, for the weekend coming up? Anything exciting? For the weekend coming up, I will probably be out in my garden, which I still have very much a love for, despite doing it for five days a week at tape. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was great, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and thanks, guys. Thanks so much. 
Yeah, cheers, Neil and Lisa. I just wanted to thank you both for your support to the association. You're always uh, a fountain of information when I give you a call and also we'll be working on the Perth Garden Festival. I know the students down there, the landscape students, and also we'll be working on that submission, Neil, I promise you, by Friday. Sounds good, Matt. Great Thanks guys. for having us. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to The Green Thumbs Up, brought to you by the Landscape Industries Association, WA, sponsored by Mini Quip Hire.